Good evening and welcome to a Daniel L. Hightower Wednesday on the Buddy Martin Show and Podcast. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, it's time again for Buddy Martin. Call him up and tell him what you're thinking. But be kind because he's doing the best he can. Better. Stronger. Faster. Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Hey, what if the voice calls while you're gone? Take a message. <laughs> Bye. You ready, champ? I'm ready for this my whole life. I'm incapable of small talk. <laughs> but that's why you love me, right? Kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes. Hello there, welcome to another edition of the Buddy Martin Show on the day before my favorite holiday of the year, Thanksgiving. It's Christmas without giving any gifts away. Just kidding about that. Always a great family time. A lot of football, a lot of food, a lot of family, all good. And tonight in the program, we're going to look at some of the key games that could affect this Florida Gator team. I mean, what do you want? As I said last night. You're sitting on the outside of the top 10 looking in with an opportunity that you didn't expect to have. What's before you right now? A chance to beat your rival. By the way, the line's gone up to seven, according to one, the Odd Sharks line in Gamblers. Beat your rival, have a ninth win, make a New Year's Six Bowl and a top 10 ranking finishing the season. And go into a possible 10-win season. They said it couldn't be done. Tonight on the program, we're going to have, leading off in just a moment, the man who calls himself, and others call him, the head ball coach. I talked to him earlier today, and he's very grateful for the opportunity he's got in front of him. Of course, we talked a little about the Orlando Apollos. His team is going to be coaching February 9th They kick it off. We talked about Florida State, Florida. Remember, he was a part of the 64 team. They lost in Tallahassee. Um, and he's been around for a lot of those games, one way or the other, coach or player. I'm counting up tonight, and I'm missing a game someplace because I thought there were only 61, but they're saying this is a 63rd meeting. <clears throat> so I guess I missed one. Started in 58. I was at that game, by the way, in the stands as a student. I've seen every game one way or another. Probably been there for about 45 of them in Tallahassee, Gainesville, New Orleans, etc. And the record of that game, of course, Florida is leading the series 34-26-2. But the Seminoles have won five consecutive. That's a hard one to take if you're a Gator fan. Coach Spurry and I talked about it this morning. So this is a chance to reverse that streak. It also is a chance to ruin FSU's bowl record and their, their continuous string of winning um, seasons. And as Coach Mullen said this week, I'd love to be the one who did that. So uh, naturally you would on your rival. So all that coming up tonight to talk about Coach, with Coach Spurrier. And then we're going to delve into a little bit of history and take a look at this series what was your favorite game, your favorite moment? I had to go back and think about it for a minute because I've seen so many of these. But I've got mine, and I'll tell you why. You get yours, and you post it, and we'll put that on the screen and share those thoughts with folks. So, yeah, I'll say good evening to Roger Baldus, John Lovett, Roger Burns, Robert Dotson, Becky Smith-Carlisle, Paula Chanel, I don't even know you, Paula. Uh, nice to hear from you. Donald Wilder, Kenneth Taylor, and our buddy Lynn Tindall and Alexander Perez. Just to start it off tonight. Glad to have you aboard. I hope you're, I hope things are going well for you. And I had a lunch today with City Councilman Matt Wardell. We do a show together, non sports, and we had a discussion and did a little streaming show. What's your favorite food? Easy for me. I got mine with no problem. What is your favorite thing? 
for Thanksgiving. We'll maybe share some of those thoughts as well. So uh, I'll uh, I'll do this. I will go ahead, since this is Daniel L. Hightower Wednesday. By the way, here's what's cool. I have in my hand a little invitation here from my buddy Dan Hightower. He's the best, by the way. And this is to his house, his ranch, the HT Ranch. It's a real working ranch uh, out near Blitzton in the country here in Marion County. And this is the year, this is the time of the year when he served, has about, about 100 friends come out and they have lunch and, and they grind up sugar cane to make this. Do you know what this is, by the way? Stuff right here. This is, this is pure right here. This is absolutely pure. Yeah, that's Dan's special syrup. Sugar cane syrup, called cane syrup. And uh, this was 1968 batch. Excuse me, 19, I got 68 in my brain. Uh, 2016 batch. And I've had, I'm almost down to that. And now tomorrow, those of us who show up and actually help grind the cane, we'll get a bottle of that, the cane syrup. And my grandson is here. He's going to come in a little bit later on from uh, Colorado. He's 11. He's never seen that. This is going to be quite an adventure for him. So uh, we will do all of that. So let's do this. Let's go ahead and hear from Dan Hightower, and we'll come back and hear from Coach Spurrier. Job-related accidents create incredible stress on your finances, your relationships, and most importantly, your sense of well-being. When the adjuster is not approving benefits you're entitled to by law, you need Dan Hightower to help you understand all of your legal options. Daniel L. Hightower has been fighting for accident victim justice in Ocala and statewide since 1976. Call Daniel L. Hightower today to better understand all your legal options. 352-629-7777. For accident victim justice since 1976. Well, here's a look at the Florida State Florida series. Some of the records. I thought it was interesting. Some of the streaks. Look at that one there. Largest margin of victory, Florida. Largest margin of victory. You tend to think that 5220 was the largest, but that wasn't. There was a big one, 49 to nothing, Florida BM. And then at 5217, well, there's a couple of numbers. Look at that bar chart there. I'll move this out of the way. Uh, and you see, this is how it's been up and down over the years. So we'll talk with Franz Beard about some of those memories, uh, and we'll get a chance to, uh, to visit more about that with our friends along the way. Uh, it's, it, it's a dangerous game for, uh, uh, for Florida, and it, it's just the kind of game that, uh, you could ruin your season by losing. And, uh, Florida now, all of a sudden, I, I've gone up to a seven point Victor, Zach, seven point favorite in this game, according to Odd Shark. I saw six someplace. I heard six and a half. Before we hear from Coach Spurrier, here's a list of games I went through all the odds. I count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games that are played this weekend have an implication that will impact Florida's season in some way. They all have a star. Some of them have two stars, so it means they'll have double chances. Now, most of these teams, these are teams ahead of Florida. I would expect the Alabama lost to affect Florida if they lost, which they won't. But here are the games. UCF and USF. UCF, a 14-point favorite in that game. Georgia, Georgia Tech. Georgia, Georgia is a 17-point favorite. Of course, if Georgia lost, that would affect Florida. Uh, of course, the Florida FSU game I was counting in there. Michigan-Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State is the team between Florida and UCF. If they lose, and most people expect they they will, they're an underdog, by the way, four and a half points. That means Florida moves up a notch. Auburn, Alabama, we all know about that. Auburn's a heavy favorite in that game. Uh, Alabama's a heavy favorite in that game, 24 points. I'd be tempted to think about that 24 points, but not too much. Uh, LSU, surprisingly, is a three-point underdog to Texas A&M. And that, of course, is at Kyle Field. Uh, that'll be interesting. If LSU loses, that drops in down. They're number seven. Uh, Notre Dame and USC. Should USC pull off the upset, which I totally don't expect to. Notre Dame's one of the best teams in the country. 11.5 point underdogs, uh, USC is. Uh, that would affect Florida. And finally, Oklahoma, West Virginia. Either one of those teams get, who someone's going to lose. So that means if Florida takes care of business, then the Gators wind up jumping up there in the top ten. Talk with Coach Spurrier today, and here's his thoughts. 
Let's go out to the Red Star Spitzkring Hotline and wish a happy Thanksgiving to Steve Spurrier, head ball coach of the Orlando Apollos. And um, it's been quite a couple of years for Coach Spurrier. I was thinking about you this morning, Steve. We all have things to be thankful for, but I think you have a lot to be thankful for, how your life has turned out the last couple of years. My wife always says, he sounds so happy. How's life these days, Steve? Uh, buddy, well, I am thankful and fortunate and blessed, no question about it. A good wife and four kids and 14 grandkids, and they're all doing well. And uh, also, happy Thanksgiving to all the listeners out mm. there. Uh, I think I read something. One one time, it's always best to be thankful for what you have and not complain about what you don't have. And either way you do it, it will become a habit. So that's a pretty good uh, life lesson. Let's be thankful for what we have. Uh, but anyway, uh, buddy, I had a back surgery about eight yeah, days ago. Tell us about it. And uh, Dr. Daniel Ho, H-O-H, uh, one of the best in the country, maybe one of the best in the world, I sort of cleaned out my back uh, disc, and I had some compressed areas where the nerves were being pinched. Uh, so he loosened it up. I got me a nice scar on my back, but it's on my backside, so nobody's going to see it very often. And uh feel a lot better. And uh, he said five, six weeks, uh, I feel like a new person. So something I just really had to have done. And uh, as we know, they can do miracles in back surgery these days. Uh, all you got to do is watch Tiger Woods hit a golf ball now. Hmm. And there's a guy that didn't know if he could walk uh, before he had that surgery. So, yeah, very thankful for all that, buddy. It's great to hear, Steve. And, and, and I'm with, you're going to be my guinea pig. If it works for you, I'll be next. So <laughs> looking, <clears throat> glad you're doing well. And it's just in time because uh, one more thing you have to be thankful for, and we're thankful for in football as football fans, you're back in the business. I'm looking at your schedule right now uh, for the Orlando Apollos head ball coach. You told me you had a draft going you're working on. How does all that work, Steve? Well, it's sort of complicated, but it's a quarterback draft. What uh, the Alliance is trying their best to do is make sure all the best quarterbacks are on different teams. Uh, they don't want one team to have three of the best. Uh, so we're having a draft. Uh, actually, the uh, Orlando team, we we have the first right to a quarterback that played at one of the state universities here. Uh, if we pass and don't take him, then we can wait and maybe take a guy from anywhere. So uh, that that's going to happen Tuesday uh, in Las Vegas. They're going to have a little TV show out of it, and uh, we're prepared to uh, hopefully get get us two or three uh, really good quarterbacks to, to get the Apollo team off and off and running. We play February ninth. We got five home games uh, in Orlando, uh, where UCF plays Spectrum Stadium. Uh, we open up. I think the first one is a Saturday night game, uh, February the ninth. So. I think we'll get a pretty good crowd. Hopefully we'll get a lot of Gators down there and UCF Knights and Seminoles and everybody because uh, this is uh, Florida's pro football team for the spring. Uh, we're in the uh, spring league business. We're sort of a minor league of the NFL. And uh, hopefully our players, if they do very well, we'll get a chance to move on up to the big leagues next year. Well, there's likely to be some familiar names <clears throat> on that roster. They're already on the coaching staff. People will know those. I'm looking at your schedule now. As you say, you open up uh, Atlanta at Orlando. And just to give people a flavor for the rest of the games, San Diego plays at San Antonio, Memphis at Birmingham, and Salt Lake at Arizona. So uh, you do have an opening game there at home, which will be a chance for folks to sample on the 9th of February, what's going on there. So we look forward to seeing what quarterback you wind up picking next Tuesday, Steve. <clears throat> let's uh, let's okay, switch. Yeah, we, we don't know exactly yet. Yeah. I think Aaron Murray, uh, the Georgia quarterback, of course, who's from Tampa, I think he's going to probably be Atlanta's uh, QB. Ah, okay. uh, so he'll have a little home flavor uh, there yeah. also. Oh, interesting. I just did a radio show there last week. So uh, let's let's talk uh, a little about what's coming this week. And I was going back and looking at your book. Gosh, it's been, it's been that long ago we did that book. Um, and I'm looking at the Florida State uh, section. And let's talk just for a second a little bit about nostalgia because you were there in the early days. People don't understand Florida State used to be like, you, like UCF. 
except really not as good and not as ranked back in the days. And they were an upstart team when you played them. And you, you early on uh, played this team back when the series started with Coach Graves. And then, of course, you, you had to end up coaching against them. And I'm looking at the numbers here. And in your book, you pointed out 11 of the 12 years you were at Florida, FSU is the top five of the nation. You knocked, said we knocked them out some, they knocked us out some. You were 5 8 1, played twice in the bowl game. And of course, you'd like to say you, you won the one that counted there, 52 20, which always, but that series, coach, I'm looking at the top rivalry game this weekend. And it's kind of funny. They say the best games of the weekend, the rivalries, Florida, Florida State is number 10 of the weekend. I would say in the mid 90s, that's, that rivalry was probably the top in the country. Well, that's because both of us, a lot of times, uh, we're in the top three or four, mm-hmm. at least the top ten. So uh, that that made it big right there. But, yeah, uh, Bobby Bowden and his guys, uh, they recruited like Alabama recruits today. They they had the first or second recruiting class about every year. Uh, I remember saying one time, I don't know what you're giving away up there, but they. <laughs> I, I remember one year, we had seven guys we were after, and they were after, and I think they got all seven of them. Hmm. Uh, so that, that shows you how good a recruiter I was going up against those guys. So anyway, it was uh, it, it, it was tough going up against them, and usually we had the SEC championship game the next week, but that was the next week. We didn't talk about it or anything like that. A lot of people thought we were at a disadvantage uh, in the SEC championship game because we had played them the week before. Uh, but then one guy wrote that the Gators proved that even if they win, lose their tie against FSU, they can win the championship game the next week. So, and that happened between, uh, I think 93, 94, 95 there. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, you go one week at a time and, uh, we had trouble with them up there. I think here we beat them like four out of six at home. And up there, we got one tie, and that was yeah. the best we could do. And that, that game quite a bit. And by the way, just going back to 96 and being blessed to watch all those games in person myself and watch those games, those are some great football games. And I remember in Tallahassee in 96, you had no offensive tackles. Both of them were out. And uh, Danny got uh, got beat up pretty bad. And even though it was well, lost. Yeah, he hit late. Uh, he got yeah, hit late right. two times. Yes. And uh, they only called about three rough in the passers. <clears throat> and that was their style of play, which yeah. uh, was uh, really irritating, I think, to all people that love football. Uh, but uh, that was, uh, uh, for- fortunately, I think the football gods gave us a, a rematch yeah. with them. And that was the 52-20 to game in New Orleans uh, about a month after the one up there in Tallahassee. And which made so it so sweet. People, they they won the one in Tallahassee that didn't yeah. count for too much, and we won the one that counted for all the marbles in New Orleans. I know you still are our competitor, and you talk about it, but you and Coach Biden going head-to-head in those games, those were classic. Those are games that will live forever. So, anyway, that's the history. And, of course, when I go back to watch the day that Steve Tinsley threw the ball over uh, your, your teammate's head. Should I say who it was? <laughs> <laughs> and and uh we still kid him about that because we were in like a, a three deep prevent defense and he was back there uh covering blitnikoff a little bit and and this he must have thrown it 65 70 yards and travel so you know i had the guy covered I, the ball just kept carrying and, and all of a sudden it was over my head uh <clears throat> But that was, uh, what was that, the 64 game, I guess it was. Yeah, you were and, a sophomore. Uh, yeah, sometimes that kind of stuff happens. Yeah, and, and of course, the never FSU, never. So there was so much around that game, and that was quite a day. And little did we know that receiver, let alone receiver, from, I believe, Ohio as a sophomore. Yeah, well, no, that was the guy. No, the guy. had review. Yeah. If they had had the review system, uh, he definitely would have been in the end zone. Yeah, but I'm talking about Steve. I'm talking about the one with the, that was flown, thrown by Tinsley to Blitnikoff <laughs> over Allen's head. Yeah, well, I've yeah. already talked about that one. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. on to the okay. 66 game right. with Lane Center. Yeah, uh, uh, I was out of bounds. That was he, big... Well, he was actually inbounds. They had pitch, pitchers of him inbound, but there was no review system back then. Right. So uh, that, that's the reason we won that game. <laughs> 
Yeah. So anyway, great rivalry. Now this week, uh, it's a little different. It, it means something. It means quite a bit, for, uh, especially for Florida. And of course, it would make, it would make their season. It would, it would save Willie Taggart if they could somehow pull this game out. They're underdogs. This team, talk about the evolution of Dan Mullen's team now going to this game with a chance, Steve, to win a ninth game, get to a New Year's Six Bowl, be in the top ten. It's all kind of right on the line, uh, in Tallahassee for Dan Mullen's team. Uh, certainly, this is uh, where it's the biggest game of the year mm-hmm. uh, for both teams. No question about it. Uh, we need to beat these guys, uh, basically because they've beaten us five years in a row. <laughs> I mean, we need to beat them every year, but uh, we've lost to them long enough. And we certainly have the players, the coaches, uh, to go up there and beat these guys. We just got to totally make sure we're ready to go. And I believe we are going to be uh totally prepared to go, coaches, players, everybody that's uh, involved in the game. Uh, but FSU, they are at home. They they had a big win last week. Uh, who knows if they can uh, come up with something or not. But, it's uh, yeah, it's a big game for us. We, we can't worry about how big it is for them uh, and their bold aspirations and all of that. Uh, but it's a, it's a big one for us skaters. And uh, I tell you what, buddy, you know, FSU and Miami – they're not having super years this year. And that recruiting trail goes a lot with who's the, the top dog in the state. And if we can get that one up in Tallahassee, there's no question we're, we're the best team in the state uh, amongst the big three. Uh, I, don't, I can't include Central Florida. I don't know if they're the best or not, uh, but we'll uh, discuss that later, I guess. But of the big three universities, uh, we had a good chance to be the best with a victory up there uh, Saturday. Final question for Coach Spurrier, who's uh, getting ready. You're celebrating Thanksgiving, I presume, over in Crescent Beach. With the, uh, is that right, or are you going to upstate? No, we're going to be here in Gainesville. Yeah, on Gainesville, okay. Uh, all right, what, what about a rivalry like this? Steve, you played in them, you coached in them, whatever. They get really, really intense. Is there some particular – something you can do in a game like this mentally or something you can do to prepare? Or what did you do to get your teams ready to play in a big rivalry game? Okay, at uh, Duke, uh, we our rivalry game, of course, was at North Carolina Tar Heels, last game of the season. And uh, it was just one that uh, our guys looked forward to if we could beat those guys. And uh, fortunately, we beat them all three years. I was the head coach up there, so that was uh, that was one of our goals every year, uh, was, along with the winning season and bowl game and stuff like that, to uh, to beat the in, your in-state rival. Uh, fortunately, South Carolina, we had a good run over Clemson there for a while. Uh, we beat them. We beat them five in a row. Five in a row. And Dabo's got a chance to get it back this week. Yeah, he he's does. Got, he's got a chance to win his five in a row this week. And uh, it'll be a tough one for the Gamecocks. But uh, as a coach, you don't you don't do anything particularly different. The players know it's a huge game, and uh, you just try to get them as prepared the best you can, uh, just like you do every week. No speeches, no extra speeches, no no extra. They 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 don't need getting up. They're already up, right? Yeah, they know the importance of the game. Uh, they read the papers and watch TV and things like that, and. Uh, I don't know. You just have a little extra, extra hop in your step, just a little extra uh, something into it. But you try to do that every week also. And uh, you don't coach your butt off one week and take it easy the next week. And that's how upsets occur. Yeah. All right. So, I got thir- I got a 30-second question. Are you going to get going? Okay. I talking to a guy last night uh, uh, about a film that you made. It was a former high school coach who said it's the best quarterback film he'd ever seen on how to coach a quarterback and said you didn't like it and you threw it away or you you've got rid of it, whatever. But he says the best, more information in that video on coaching quarterbacks than anything they've ever seen. What is that film and where did it go? I don't know where it is. I did it with Shane Matthews, correct? Yes. Uh, yeah, some guy came out one day and said, uh, Coach, show me what you do uh, coaching the quarterback. We put together a little film, tape, video, whatever. And I think he sold them some around a little bit. Uh, a lot of high school coaches, I think, got uh, some information from it. But that was back in about 92 or so we mm-hmm. did that. Uh, Shane Matthews' senior year. Uh, yeah, Shane remembers just he and I were out there, I think, one day. We had somebody catching the balls and uh, went through what we did every day in practice as far as getting the quarterbacks ready to play. 
Have you ever thought about, given your knowledge of the, of the position and the coaches, the players that you've coached, and now the Bill Nelson technique that you learned at your last few weeks of the Bucks, which you applied all through your college career about doing another quarterback coaching tape that player that coaches and players could use. Oh, buddy, I don't know if there's a demand for that anymore. Uh, yeah, that, that that happened a long time ago. Whatever uh, information I'm going to give a quarterback is going to be the Apollo quarterback. That's who it's going to be. Yeah. He's, a, he's the guy I'm in charge of now. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to that and. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not interested in doing one nationally or anything like that. Well, uh, one thing you always did, coach, is you taught. You taught it over and over, and all the coaches and players that coached and played for you said you were you you on details, details, details. And you told me the other day that Mike Leach, of Washington State, who was becoming one of my favorite coaches, uh, your son Stevie coaches with him. He said he runs the same stuff over and over. That repetition in coaching is so important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, in anything in life, buddy, repetition is the law of learning. Uh, Coach John Wooden, that's one of his famous quotes. And uh, we are what we repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence is not an act but a habit. And that's one of Aristotle's quotes. We are what we repeatedly do. So in practice, if you repeatedly hit that corner route right on the, right on the numbers uh, or the streak or the ends and all this, that, and the other, and when the game comes around, it's uh, it's pretty easy to repeat it. Well, your receivers and quarterbacks started to. And, of course, mm-hmm. it's nice to repeatedly get a chance to talk to you, Steve. Happy Thanksgiving to you and Jerry and okay, the family. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to yeah. everybody out there. Thanks, buddy. All right, talk good luck to, to the Apollos. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, HBC going out with the Aristotle quote. <laughs> uh, he's something, isn't he? It's been fun. Huh? It's going to be great to have him back in uh, – in football again, and I, I'm going to go down and see a few games just because it's Spurrier. I know it's going to be minor league football. That's okay. Uh, coming up, uh, we'll talk about, remember, it's your favorite moment play game, FSU Florida, besides the national championship game. We always have to have that caveat because otherwise we're all going to say the same thing. It's trending toward one place, and I, I figured it would. Uh, you got a few minutes to get yours together and post it. And we'll post some of those in a minute. But first, let's take a moment and thank our sponsors on Thanksgiving Day. Um, and uh, we appreciate very much uh, all the things that uh, our sponsors do for us. Uh, one of them is Mark's Prime. Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood, that delicious food they put on that table for you. And I talk about it all the time because I love this restaurant. I would do this, say this about it if they weren't a advertiser because I'm doing you a favor. If you want quality and you want excellent service, you have somebody you want to impress, you like great food, you like uh, you like class, you like an environment and a unique experience, this is your restaurant in Gainesville, Ocala. Those are just two of the dishes you see, shrimp scampi on the left uh, and that wonderful beef on the right. I know some of you get hungry every night when I do this. Um, and uh, I'll put others up in the future, but they're located in Gainesville and Ocala. Go online and check out some other things and details about them. I love the obvious of the place, too. Mark's Prime Steakhouse, seafood.com. If you want to make a reservation in Gainesville, call 352-336-0077. Ocala, 352-402-0097. They have complimentary valet parking, which is always nice when it's raining. One of the very best restaurants in Florida. One of the best I've eaten in. Mark's Prime Steakhouse and Seafood, if you want to have a unique dining experience. Well, I was uh, down to, to see the folks at Griner's this week, and I ordered my jacket. I'll be doing a uh, the reading of the Night Before Christmas with the Ocala Symphony Orchestra. Thank you, Matt Wardell. Uh, and I looked in my closet and said, uh-oh, got to update my wardrobe a little bit here. I haven't done anything. Now, none of the pictures in this particular uh, thing you see on screen are, are what I'll be wearing. I've got a beautiful new black blazer, uh, and, uh, and Dave, uh, David DeSantis ordered it for me. He's going to tailor it for me. told me exactly what I needed. Uh, probably going to tie with it. And uh, hopefully be looking good up there when I'm doing that reading. Uh, that's the thing about the confidence you get when you wear grinders clothes. Clothes from grinders for men. You know you're going to get quality goods. You're going to get the best advice and consultancy you can get. Whether it's 
you know, khakis or long sleeve shirts or ca- dressy casual or sport coats or suits. You know, they got them all right there at Grinders. This is just a few things you see uh, that they have. Grinders, Ocala tradition since 1962. I'm sure you'll be shopping there some if you're in the area uh, for a uh, your loved one, if there's a man in your life, uh, he loves seeing a Griner's box under the tree at Christmas time. Griner's, 405 East Silver Spring Boulevard, 352-629-3195, on Ocala Traditions since 1976. All right, uh, we're going to see if we can get our friend Franz Beard on the phone and get his take on Florida, Florida State. Tell you more about that. Uh, and I'm going to post you in just a moment your your picture. In fact, I'm going to when Franz gets on board, we'll we'll chat about this. We all kind of got the same game in mind, I think, perhaps. Um, and uh, Mr. Francis Beard, the Iron Duke, who joins us on the program usually on Mondays and Fridays, but this particular time uh, he uh, this is being a holiday week. Uh, we get him Friday off, maybe, but we may draft him on the weekend, depending on if we have any. Good evening, Franz. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. What are your plans for Thanksgiving? You're going to stay home? Are you going on the road? What's what's going on? Down here? at my sister's sister's uh, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving Day. Down at my brother's the day after, and mm-hmm. then going to be watching some Florida Florida State football on Saturday. Yeah, I heard about that game. They're playing it again, huh? Yeah, you know, minor little detail there. They're going to. They've decided to mm-hmm. kind of. You know, strike up the band and do it once again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, I've got uh, some questions for you, and I went back and read one of your old stories today uh, on the series. We've seen a bunch. Do some math for me. This is the sixty-third game. Is that right? Because I know they played twice one year. Obviously, uh, they played twice two years. They didn't play twice two years. They played twice one year. That was the year of the national championship game. Well, maybe they did play twice. Two. Yeah, they played twice two years. That's what it was. They played twice in a bowl game. They played a bowl game two times. So that would mean why it's now the 63rd. Because it's a nice round figure, 1958-2018, which was the 60th year. This is the 63rd game. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and I was looking today, and as you know, I'm an old guy, and I've been around. I, as I told you, I saw that first game. I was sitting there in the stands as a student when that happened. And I have seen one way or the other every game, all, all 62 of them. Um, and I go back over and start thinking about them. And you and I had the pleasure of covering the, the, the several really good ones together, side by yeah. side in press boxes, including the 5220. But uh, when you think about it, and I read all your stories today and prepped up on it, uh, I know there's one game we like especially. So maybe we should go ahead and get that out of the way now because this is the game that most people said was their favorite game as well. And I asked people to log on and, and tell me, what is your favorite game? Uh, and it was that night in 2008, uh, leading up to it, um, was a crazy raining night. Uh, I happened to be working on a book at the time. That was 2008, right? Uh, and this is, this is the Braveheart game. Yeah, well, I, well, I'm not going to use that word just yet, but uh, but that's what we call it now. Uh, and the bottom line is is that is is that what was going on? Listening to the headsets as I did, Urban was arguing somewhat with this young guy named Dan Mullen about what offense to run. And this is before the game; it was splashing out on the field. I mean, the water was ankle deep, friends, in places. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, Urban's saying, I'm listening on the headsets because in the book I got to do that. Uh, and he's saying, well, no, we're going to keep it underground. But he's, no, we're going to run our offense. So that was the game in which, uh, you know, which uh, uh, which Tebow had that famous run. And if take me back because it was so much water in the field. It did, it did dry up a little bit, but there was a t- paint in the end zone. And Tim got the ball and, 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 and I don't know, maybe the five-yard line, whatever it was. And four it, yard, it's a four-yard touchdown run with about uh, five minutes and 53 seconds left in the first half. Florida, yeah, and about 10 people hanging on him. I mean, they, Florida, they were, it was a scrunk. Florida was leading 14-6, to six and Tebow goes around the right side and just, you know, he's try, he's being chased by everybody, and he just dives face first into the end zone. And the end zone, the way the field is crowned there, the water drains, you know, to 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 the each side of the field, 
And so the about, say, a, a, an eight to ten yard stretch in on either side of the end zones, the water was, oh, I would say four to six inches deep. And all the paint had had just washed down into that in, into that end zone. Tebow dives head first in there, and you know, first off, we're lucky he didn't drown. But secondly, he comes up, he scored the touchdown, he runs to the sideline, he rips off his helmet, and lo and behold, there. Well, all right, now stop right there before you do that. I'll do it before you do the reveal, because I'm going to try to get this picture up on the screen. And the thing about it is, was he's looking back away from the end zone and, and and away from the photographers. There were very few people, if any, got that picture. It had to be taken off of TV. And when he first came up, and he, he hit the ground, and there was a scrum there, and you couldn't see. My gosh, I didn't think he scored, but he carried them all in the end zone. He came up, and he had this red, and it was on his face, you know, all over his face. I thought it was blood. I thought, oh my gosh, he killed himself there. I honestly I looked at his, his jersey, was full of red, and it turned out to be garnet paint, as we know. And he came up, and I don't know that I can take credit fully for this, but I might have been the guy who said Braveheart face. I might have been the guy who said that first. I don't know. But I, I know that that's what it became known as, a Braveheart, and there he is, the Braveheart game. That's uh, That will be one for the ages. We'll always remember that. And that was my favorite moment of Florida FSU. How about you? Well, it's up there, but uh, I actually have a couple of moments that I rank above that. Go for it. Okay, I go back to 1966, and Florida is trailing FSU 17-16, to 16, and uh, basically two minutes to go in the game, a little bit more. And Stephen Orr Spurrier proceeds to take the Gators down the field methodically, without using a timeout, and gets the Gators down to, I think it was the, the 24-yard line, it may have been the 22-yard line of FSU. There's still about a minute uh, left in the ball game, And Spurrier rolls out, and Charlie Casey's doing an out pattern, and Spurrier sees that the safety, the safety bolted, went with the tight end, leaving the middle of the field wide open. There's no safety help. And Spurrier does this to Casey and waves him into the end zone, lofts the ball. Casey catches it. Charlie Casey catches it for the touchdown. Florida goes ahead 23-17. And then on FSU, FSU gets the ball. They still got about 50 seconds left. And uh, Ed Pritchett overthrows uh Max Wettstein, they're tight end at midfield. Ball goes, basically just skims Max Wettstein's fingers. Alan Trammell intercepts it, runs it back for a TD. Florida wins it 30-17. to What a ball game. Because, And that was the ball game in which Furman Bisher wrote, if Spur, you know, Spurrier would be favored to win his own win. No, no, that was John, John Loke. John Loke. John Love broke that. It's a famous lead. I, I've quote, I, I interviewed him just recently. And that was a, it was his hand, his hands cuffed behind him. He'd be a three point, uh, favorite at his own execution. That was a John Logue line. He said that John Logue told me that he used to have that sent to him by Gitter fans all over the country. And he said uh, in a variety of ways. And that was exactly it. It was a great, it was the best lead ever written on Steve Spurrier by far. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and Spurrier, Spurrier just absolutely, uh, he owned that moment. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, that, that was the 1965, excuse me, the 66 game. Uh, 65, was a, that was a league written after the North Carolina State win in Raleigh, but it's been used many times since that time. But, but I mean, Spurrier, I mean, when we were kids, there were mythical figures that, you know, that, that, that they wrote about there uh, the uh, fictional heroes in football and whatever. And there are a few that became like myths to us as kids as well. Spurrier has reached that status right now where he's, he's a mythical figure to many. Certainly the Auburn kick was it. But the FSU game, I guess it was the crossing route to Charlie Casey 
was a big it was a square out. It was a yeah. square out. He rolled to his right. It was a yeah. square out. And Casey was open. And Casey yeah. does the square out. And he sees Spurrier. And he just he just cuts back. And the FSU defensive back was just caught was was caught flat footed because he didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And he heads to the middle of the field. Right. And Spurrier just lofted the ball. It was about a 22-24 yard touchdown pass. And, right. And uh, just absolutely, you know, beautifully thrown. No way Casey was going to drop that. And uh, Florida, Florida took the lead. I remember that game so much because my family, uh, th- this game uh, was played Thanksgiving weekend. My family was had been exiled to Mississippi, and we came back to Florida because we had all the grandparents here, and we stayed at the grandparents in Stark Thanksgiving Day and half a day on Friday and half a day on, and then we moved to Gainesville and my grandfather had gotten me a ticket to the Florida Florida State game the next day because mm. he knew how I was suffering mm. there in in Mississippi with you know all I could do was listen to, there was a 50,000 watt uh, radio station mm-hmm. out of Pensacola, and I got to listen to Otis Boggs and the Gators. That was my only connection there you go. There you with go. the get with the Gators. But uh, I got to come home uh, to a place that I loved, and by golly, the Gators won that ball game. Yeah, and what a ball game it was. Yeah, uh, let's talk about Lange Fenner. Uh, we can still talk about that game. That we didn't get a chance to discuss. I've got your old lead, your old information stuff that you that you that you that you wrote about it in in 2013. But then I've got also a quote from uh, Barn from uh, from from uh, Tebow on the Braveheart game. Let's suspend that for a second and tell the young folks about a guy named Lane Fenner. Now, in a previous interview with Steve Spurrier, we talked a little about that. I was at that game. Uh, and that was a, that was the big moment where Finner caught a ball and was uh, was was ruled out of bounds uh, by an SEC official, Doug Mosley. Right, Doug Mosley. And to this day, there are pictures all over, you know, Tallahassee, in which uh, they say that he was in. And you know, we didn't have replay; we didn't know. From no. my from my naked eye, I was in the press box. From my naked eye, if I had to swear on a stack of Bibles. I thought Fenner might have been in. I thought he was in, but you know. But then, of course, that's just guessing. You couldn't really see it. But the Lange Fenner game uh, is a really, really a big one. And the game that they lost uh, when Spurrier was a sophomore in '64 with the signs "Never FSU, Never" and all that stuff. That was a classic. Uh, there have been some other classics. Oddly enough, a couple of them Florida played in that they didn't win were, were classics. And one of them was that '66 game where they had no offensive tackles and they got beaten. Danny got pummeled by hit like 30 times. And Steve got the film out and showed it to the world afterwards. Uh, and, and, and that was an unbelievable football game, a really a great game. Uh, and Florida lost it. And then, of course, came back and won the national championship. But you wonder, had they not lost it, but they won the national championship. You never know about those things. That was a classic. The so-called choke and doke, I've talked about that a bunch. I was at that game covering for the New York Times with an early 4 o'clock deadline. And had the written the lead already written in Florida that Steve Spurrier had finally won in Tallahassee, and of course he didn't. It was a tie. I had to rewrite that on deadline. Oh, so those I, are a I few. I suffered through that one. Oh gosh, you know, thirty-one to three heading yeah. into the fourth quarter, yeah. and the Gators, the Gators snatched snatched a tie from the, from the jaws of victory. Yeah, and I still, to this day. What's more remarkable than Florida blowing a twenty-eight-point thir- lead yeah. is that Bobby Bowden with the Bobby Bowden kicks the extra point instead of going for two. There's no way Florida could have stopped him. Well, That's you know what? But what he wound up with is getting a great bowl game out of it. <laughs> yeah. And if he lost the game, he wouldn't have. But uh, but there's yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, Spurry would have gone for it, but. Um, but it was Bobby, crazy. Bobby Bowden, who, who made his bones as a river, as somewhat of a people called him a riverboat gambler, a guy that mm. that would that would uh, take chances at any time, anywhere, and uh, here he is with a chance to win this ball game. 
And what does he do? By golly, he 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 opts to to kick the extra point and goes mm-hmm. for the tie. And I'll never forget that because I, after the ball game, um, I stayed up there with with a guy who's my business partner now, who is a longtime FSU Golden Chief, and he has a whole. I'm in a, there with a house full of Seminoles that night, mm-hmm. and they are all in shock that Bobby didn't go for it. I mean, Mm. they were just absolutely flabbergasted that that they did not Mm. go for the tie, that they didn't go for the win. Uh, You know, holy cow. But FSU had lost to Miami earlier that year, and they weren't going to make the national championship game. But you know what? Strange things could have happened if, if they had won that ball game. Uh, yeah, you know things could have happened there. Yeah, let's talk into football about what's going on here. I mean, I said we come on the air tonight, talk about being thankful. Uh, sitting here as as Gator fans are, number eleven ranked by the committee, and we talked about that on Monday night. What was going to happen? Uh, they're the highest ranked two loss team of all, uh, just outside the top ten. Uh, and that's going to have to change on uh, next week. Uh, chance to go to near your six bowl uh, and uh, get a 10 win season. By the way, they're up to like a seven point favorite now to do that. And I've got, I went through in the circle of the games. I counted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games counting Florida's game with, F- with FSU that have an impact one way or the other on the Gators. And, and, and this could change it. I mean, UCF, USF, naturally, if UCF loses. Georgia has to beat Georgia Tech. If they don't, that helps Florida. Probably not enough to get them up that high where Georgia is. Uh, Michigan, Ohio State. You know, certainly if Ohio State loses, that drops them down because they're between uh, Florida and and, and uh, UCF right now. Uh, Auburn, Alabama, I don't think it's going to change. I don't believe Alabama's going to lose that game. But it, that, if they somehow did, that would have a little bit of impact. But Florida never had to worry. Florida didn't have to worry about the teams that are top four. They don't worry about the teams that are eight, nine, 10, 11, and so on and so. LSU, by the way, is an underdog to Texas A&M. Do you know that? Three points. No, I did. Uh, yeah. No, I. Yeah, the underdog, and that, they could lose that game. That would be big for Florida. Notre Dame. I don't think Notre Dame would affect Florida that much because they aren't going to fall if they lose, but they would fall some. Oklahoma, West Virginia is those double, double header games because, uh, Oklahoma and West Virginia, somebody's got to lose and that definitely affects the Florida Gators. So there's opportunity everywhere. Well, here's the thing that I think we could see this weekend. Wouldn't surprise me since the game is in Columbus to see Ohio State beat Michigan. Wouldn't surprise me at all to see that. Just like it wouldn't surprise me to see Ohio State lose the next week to Northwestern in the uh, Big Ten Championship game. Ohio State, for some reason this year, plays great against good teams, see Penn State, and then they play then and see Michigan State. And then they have this habit of playing badly against not-so-good teams as they did, uh, for example, against Maryland and mm-hmm. had to eke out a win there. So... Uh, I, and they and also Nebraska. I wouldn't be surprised to see Ohio State win this one, then lose the next week. Hmm. Of course, that would mean that would x x out the Big Ten because you'd have a two loss Michigan team, you'd have a, a, a Northwestern team with four losses as the national champ. And here's the thing: I don't know that if Ohio State beat Michigan, that they would jump six spots. Just don't think that would happen. Um, Oklahoma's got to play West Virginia. And if Oklahoma wins, they're still going to have to play Texas. And Texas has already beaten them. If West Virginia wins, uh, you know, they still have two losses. So the Big 12 can exit itself out. Washington State has one loss. They're going to have to beat. They're going to have to beat Washington, which is a really good football team, not great but good, this weekend. And then they're going to have to play Utah, which has an absolutely terrific defense, the next week. So there's the possibility of that. And Washington State could drop down with two losses. So there's a lot of things that could happen. I could see the Gators 
maybe going up to say six, maybe seven. Seven, seven I think is seven. I think is realistic. Six is possible. Okay, uh, France. Uh, we've covered most of the football tonight. We've some great games this week. Let's talk about Gator basketball. Disappointed that uh, this team lost today to Oklahoma in the Battle of Atlanta, 65-60, and they can't seem to get their offensive game going. Jalen Hudson came on now and seemed to be struggling. What, what's your thoughts? Are we asking people to know what do you think of uh, Mike White and the, and the program and, and what's fixable? Well, what's fixable is they could hit some free throws. They, they hit their free throws. They were 3-for-11 from the foul line. And uh, let's see, how many of those were the front ends of one and one? I think four front ends of one and one. So you miss the front end of a one and one. That's essentially you, you've just missed two free throws, essentially. So instead of really three for 11, you, you're, you're really kind of looking at three for 15, the equivalent of that from the foul line. They hit their free throws. They win this ball game. It was a very good, very well-played defensive ball game. But the Gators uh, couldn't hit free throws. They shot the ball better from the three-point line today. Uh, but, again, the offense is still a little erratic. I think Dante Bassett played one of his better games that he's played as a Gator today. And I think he's going to have to step up and become the big guy in the middle because I'm not seeing any, I'm not seeing any offensive growth out of Kavarius Hayes. We saw him have a pretty good ball game there against LaSalle, but he comes back with this game, and this is a game he really could have – he should have had a better offensive game than he did. He had 4.7 rebounds. Great kid, plays great defense, but he is such a liability offensively. And until Florida can have somebody that can have a commanding enough presence – in the in the middle of the floor, that defenses are going to have to have to respect what they can do on the inside. You're going to see a lot of pressure on the perimeter, and you're going to see Florida not getting open shots like they'd like to from the three point line. Um, people don't realize the the how how the symmetry between the inside game and the outside game. If you've got the outside game, your inside game should work. If you've got the inside game, your outside game should give you open shots. And right now, uh, Florida's not getting really great open shots, and most of that's because nobody's getting open in the middle. They don't have somebody in that middle that can command the, command the basketball and score. I like Mike White a lot, but I got to tell you, I think I think this is a wrap on his teams. They go through cold spells in a game. They're having problems scoring points. He emphasizes defense a lot. I don't know if he hasn't got the offensive firepower or because they don't have the big men, the posts, uh, and they they play a low scoring game finally. Uh, and I'm not sure what, but let's see. It takes him a while to get started. Usually, by the time he gets to January, his teams are playing better. It's not a pretty thing the way they're starting right now. They got a game tomorrow night, of course, the loser bracket, and Wisconsin or somebody. Stanford. Stanford. The Stanford. Stanford, the, Stanford, okay. Stanford is. Uh, they'll beat Stanford. Yeah. They, they they will beat Stanford, and then they'll have another game on Friday uh, against uh, the other. You know, this will be for the losers bracket championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess is what you'd call that. Yeah. But, uh, Chris Winfield's asking a question about Gak. Well, I know he's injured. He said, why isn't Gak in there for the middle presence? He has been at times when he's well. He's a shot blocker. He can't stay well. No. And, and, and they need him for his defensive presence. And, and I was, you know, I've seen enough of him in the last two years to believe he's got the potential to be a decent offensive player. He certainly has something you can't teach, uh, buddy, and that's you can't teach tall. He's 6'11", 7 feet tall. Yeah, and yeah he's I got agree. 240 pounds now. Yeah. Uh, big, he can run, he's mobile. Yeah. Teammates love the kid, and he works so hard. Yeah. But, uh, goodness, he, he's had such problems with his knees, and, 
Yeah. And you know, you got to wonder, you know, are his knees ever going to heal enough that he can be yep, for a sure. real contributor? Yeah. Um, Francis uh, got about a minute, and I want to use it for Thanksgiving. I'm grateful for a lot of things. I know you are too, uh, as well. But I want to talk about food right now. And you've done a great job. You've lost like 50 pounds. But when you sit down to the table, if you could only have one of the things that you've got for Thanksgiving, what dish would it be? Oh, we got to have the turkey. So that's all you got. If you have, you can have one bite of one thing, one helping. Turkey is it? Turkey is it. Turkey is it. Because you, you can't have Thanksgiving if you don't have turkey. I'm going for the pie. <clears throat> I love the pie. Mr. Tony's pecan pie is amazing. Uh, so I got to have that. She makes all of the good ones too. But uh, I mean, look, I know it's not healthy, but I mean, pecan pie, you just got to have it, man. I well, do. that's that's just pure Southern. And, and yeah. you know, uh, Miss, let me put it this way. Miss Joni obviously has has excelled in the kitchen. No, 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 look at me. <laughs> And by the way, I said it wrong. It's not pecan, it's pecan. Well, so, it, it depends. If you're from up north, mm-hmm. if you're from up north, it's pecan. Mm-hmm. Shall we have some pecan pie? But if you're down here in the south, it's mm-hmm. pecan pie. Yeah. And, yeah. It's not, and it's not pie. It's pie. Pie. That's Pe- the pecan pie. It's a pie. <laughs> exactly right. You got it, pal. Friends, you have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy the football. We might talk this weekend on a pop-up show if things go right and you're willing and the sun don't shine. Well, uh, it's going to be going to be a good football Friday. That is for darn sure. I, I'm excited about football Friday. With, well, the moment with we're not the, scheduled to go up on Friday. No, uh, but, we're taking the weekend we got, off. We got, got games. in South Florida and followed up by West, by God, Virginia, yeah. hosting Oak. Yeah, you mean to watch the games on Friday? Yeah, right now I'm giving you the Friday off, so uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what 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 day and what things goes on. If you're there and available, we might might pop in there. You never know. Well, I got to tell you one thing. There's only going to be one thing missing from the West Virginia and Oklahoma game, and that is Keith Jackson. Oh my gosh! Hmm. Talk about a game that would be made for Keith Jackson. You know, I, 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 I miss him. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, ESPN is going to send Beth Mowens out to call the game. And if I watch it, I'm going to just turn off the sound and put it on closed caps. You're going to be. I'm going to hear you complain about that again. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Francis. Have a great weekend, my friend. Good talking to you, okay? Good Happy Thanksgiving, Francis. Happy Thanksgiving. The Iron Duke Thanksgiving. There you go. Well, uh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to say... Thank a few people and come back and read you the quote from Tim Tebow about the Braveheart game written several years ago. I thought it was pretty good. I've been saving it up to close on tonight. But uh, meanwhile, I want to do this. I want to talk about our friends at this bank right here because it's just uh, it's a neat place. And it's, it's a good bank, too, a really good bank. But it's special to me because of so many moments I've had. I broadcast many a show out of that bank on the second floor in the art gallery. And uh, we've had events there. I've been to fundraisers. I've been to quarterback club meetings. And there are a few uh, buildings you go and you are as accessible as this bank is to the public in terms of whatever events you got that you'd like to do there in terms of community. And they take pride in the fact that they're centered on community and customer service at Center State Bank. You want to talk about banking? Let's talk about their world-class service, their long-term horizons on loans and financials, their relationship banking, the faith and family part of it. That's all part of who Center State Bank is. Uh, they're located in 82 different places in 30 Florida counties. You can look them up as a place near you, more than likely. Go to centerstatebank.com uh, and find out. This is my bank, the one I use on Service Bank Boulevard. It's a beautiful building located right there. You can call them at 352-368-6800, ask about their their, their financing and their uh, checking accounts, et cetera, savings, whatever you need, they can take care of your needs right there, and they're known for their service. Center State Bank, centered on community and customer service. On their behalf, I will say happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Also, happy Thanksgiving to these people. Rinse our medical research. As you see, the information on the left, we're so proud of this event. 
this thing coming up, you're going to hear a lot about this in the spring. The Scott Brantley Trophy given to the top senior uh, for not just the football skills on the field, but academics, leadership, citizenship, and et cetera. Some young man, there are four of them now in the finalists, uh, who will be named, one of them is going to be named uh, winner of the first Scott Brantley Trophy and awarded that trophy next spring. Uh, and it's one of the many things they do in the community at Red Star. Also a very community-minded, orientated uh, company. They're also uh, a place with a proven reputation as a high-quality, patient-centered clinical research facility. Uh, they bring cutting-edge technology and clinical research to Ocala areas for things like Alzheimer's, migraine headaches, fibromyalgia, osteoarthritis, and many other conditions that affect people in our community. Uh, they do this, these clinical trials, they've done almost 700 of them over the years, uh, and the information and data is shipped off to pharmaceutical and biomedical companies throughout the medical industry. Uh, and these are all, these trials are all regulated by FDA, and safety is utmost important, monitored by independent review board. If you want to know more about these trials, or maybe you want to take part in one, you can call them at Ocala 352-629-5800, uh, or go online to Rentstar Medical Research, uh, and you can see rentstar.com, and you'll see what they mean when they say, seeking tomorrow's answers to the health questions of today. My friends on All Stars Sports. that uh, they make up for us, um, and uh, I've got a, a bunch of them in my drawer. I wear them all the time, every day, uh, almost every day. I wear them four or five times a week. The other night, my wife reached out and touched me on the shoulder and said, boy, that's nice fabric. What is that? I said, that's the cotton in these shirts they make. Uh, quality stuff. Go on to um, All Star Sports Bear. Check out their gear, stuff for the holidays. Tony and Ashley do a great job. They're great partners and friends of ours. Be sure and check that out. Uh, okay, um, I just want to mention one more thing, and that would be my friends at the Ocala Quarterback Club, Dr. Frank Cannon and Danny Williams. They've been so great about supporting the Ocala Quarterback Club. They're the champions, uh, members of the Champions Club, and what they've done helped us grow our our club and are able to do more things like the Scott Bradley Trophy. Um, and uh, both of them are upstanding members of the community. Frank is, uh, Frank is an osteopedic, uh, orthopedic surgeon. Danny does has an appraisal business. Danny has appraisal business. And they, uh, uh, they're very active people in the community, and they're also great members of the quarterback club. And thank you to both Dr. Cannon and Danny for their support of the quarterback club, the Scott Brantley Trophy, and all the other things that they do. All right? I want to say shout-out to them as well. All right. Let me just read you this saying. Remember, lots of you said they thought you thought the Tebow game, the Braveheart game, was special. Um, and I wanted to read you this quote uh, from Tebow when he was asked about the Braveheart game. Uh, and here's what he said. This is years later. I love Braveheart. It's the best movie. If they made a Braveheart 2 and asked me to be in it, wait a minute. Let me think about that. I'd say yes. And he said that with a laugh and a story that was done on him earlier. Uh, he's loved that film since his childhood. I didn't know Braveheart was that long ago, but I guess it was. Uh, he says also, he says, uh, I love the action. I love Mel Gibson. He was pretty sweet. He says, I just loved it. I think that's just as my dad being with me when I saw it made it special. I've probably seen that movie 50 times. Now, I might have been one of several, but I was one of the ones who named it the Braveheart face when it came up. And I wrote that in my article. I wrote it in the book. Uh, and I mentioned that because I had no idea that Tebow actually loved that character and loved that movie as much as he did. But it just felt like at the time it looked like Mel Gibson in Braveheart. And what a great, great, I wish they had a 
full-blown picture of that and a really good copy that wasn't so fuzzy, I'd put that on my wall. Braveheart. That's a great name for Tim Tebow, arguably the best player ever in the history of Florida football. So, so we will, uh, uh, we will be looking forward to the game this weekend. You guys, uh, seem like you're pretty good. Ask you about the game on Saturday. Uh, Nat, we haven't been able to figure that out yet. Uh, where it's a family weekend for everybody. Um, and, uh, we're going to see what we can come up with. Brendan's got traveling duties these days and he's home. He's, when he's home, he likes to be with his family, but we're working on it. We're working on it. We'll see. Uh, that's why I said France is hanging loose. If things go right and Miss Joni lets me out of her sight for a while this weekend, uh, maybe we'll do something. If you all want it, we'll do it. All right. So enjoy the game. Enjoy the family holiday. Enjoy the time. Uh, I enjoyed being with you tonight. Thank you. Uh, God bless you all. And thank you for watching the show, supporting the show, and for listening tonight. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks very much. Good night from GNK Headquarters.